Hello and welcome to the Pixel Bytes podcast, a brand new podcast which is part of the Pixels for Breakfast content network. For this show, we'll be chatting about one new game each week, diving into our feelings for it, what we think about the design of certain features, and ultimately, whether we recommend it to you. I'm one of your co-hosts, Seamus Mullins, the editor-in-chief of IndieDB and ModDB, uh, and an all-round game dev and biz dev geek from Australia. And I've got my wonderful co-host, Stephen Heller, with me today, as always, who is the founder of the Pixels Breakfast Content Network and is a game developer living in Japan. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Seamus. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. I'm really hyped after our first episode last week, which was a bit different to what it's normally going to be, what like this episode is going to be, recapping our favorite games from the holiday break. But I had a lot of fun with it. I thought we had some really good discussions. Yeah, it was good to just get that, you know, first podcast out there. It's like a blank page with no words on it, right? You just got to get get rolling and then something good happens. Yep. So we're going to roll into our first episode here. Do you want to tell people, seeing as you chose the game this week, uh, what we're going to be talking about? So the game is The Last Campfire from Hello Games, a puzzle adventure game that came out on pretty much everything. Uh, in August last year, 2020. Uh, and I've, I had seen bits of, like I saw it when it got revealed at the 2018 Game Awards. And it being from Hello Games, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Them doing something different from a pretty well-known and beloved studio now. Yeah, uh, now is the now the, yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah it was, you're right it was yeah. definitely a big like oh they the no man's sky people are making this tiny little game like what's what's that about um yeah and it wasn't super clear exactly what was at first and i didn't really hear much about it for a while up until just before it sort of came out and i heard a bit about it like good things last year but i didn't hear a huge amount and it was sort of on my list of games to check out and then it was recently on sale and I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just give it a go. It looks cute. And it, it really grabbed me. It really, really grabbed me. So I, I, it was one I, I wanted to talk about for, for this show. Um, but how about we dig into a little bit of the background behind yeah. this game? So, so, so as we said, it, it comes from Hello Games, which many people will recognize that name as the studio behind No Man's Sky, which is probably one of the biggest, you know, Icarus flew too close to the sun, but also comeback stories in game development of recent times, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, it was a big departure because I feel like this sort of happened just when the No Man's Sky narrative started to shift in terms of people like, oh, they actually made good on their promise. And then all of a sudden there was this small game. They specifically said that it was a Hello game short. And I've done a bit of digging and it's very much compared to how Pixar released their animated shorts. Like, just giving it that name is like, hey, expect something a little smaller, expect something a little more focused, you know, just setting that expectation, which of course is what really hurt that studio in the past. So I totally understand why they would do that. Definitely, and yeah. the interesting thing here is the game was actually developed only by three developers, Steve Burgess, Chris Simons, and James Kilcott, I think is how you say his name. And these three developers uh actually used to work at Frontier Developments, which is the studio behind Elite Dangerous of all games. Um, Planet Coaster, Zoo Tycoon, and others. I do wonder if they came across to Hello Games because of their work on Elite Dangerous, perhaps, because, you know, space exploration stuff, but that's that's irrelevant right now. Uh, the interesting thing about these three developers, though, is that they were on the development team who released Lost Winds and Lost Winds 2, Winter of Meladius which were both iOS platform puzzle games that then went onto the Wii and a few other platforms as well. 
and really beloved in that sort of circle. So they had a lot of experience designing uh, a game for iOS specifically or touchscreen devices. And that's where I've been playing it because it's part of Apple Arcade. So I've been playing it on my iPhone 11 Pro. And it's heavily based on folk tales and storybooks. And they specifically call out Brian Fraud, who is the conceptual designer of the Jim Henson films, The Dark Crystal and The Labyrinth. So that's the kind of vibe that they're going for here, which personally is not one of my favorite vibes. And as I said to you uh, in a message, we haven't discussed our feelings, but I said to you in a message that this is the most Seamus Mullins game that could ever be. <laughs> and and I was really curious when you said that, and I didn't ask at the time because I wanted to ask on the show, like what what about it makes you feel like it's a Seamus what's a Seamus Mullins game I'm curious a Seamus Mullins game is a game that's got is wearing its heart on its sleeve it's very um usually cute brightly colored low poly sometimes just cutesy it's very cutesy it's very Seamus (laughs) Seamus loves a cutesy heartfelt story and I'm a narrative person but I personally didn't grow up watching uh, a lot of you know, maybe I had bad parents, but I never grew up watching kids' films. I never grew up watching, like, you know, outside of seeing Looney Tunes on TV or whatever. So I don't have a reverence that many people have for these sort of Disney, Pixar, uh, sort of cutesy, happy family films. Like, I just don't have that. So these sorts of games, while I can appreciate them and understand them, I don't particularly, you know, gravitate towards them, where I tend to feel like you definitely do. Not saying that you don't like other games, but it's definitely like, oh, yeah, that shame yeah, is like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, like, yeah, like you said, like, I, I like games of all sorts, but there is definitely some that stand out to me. And, yeah, the aesthetics of this game really, really do jump out to me and really grab me, and I've, I've really fallen in love with this cutesy little little game that is the, the, last, the Lost Campfire. Uh, the Last Campfire, sorry um yeah and that's that's an interesting background though of like and i was reading about too how they're just free developers from hello games team with additional help of course but it's mostly just them making it uh and those different inspirations like that brian uh fraud was that how you said yeah brian fraud brian fraud yeah i'm bad at names (laughs) (laughs) being the conceptual designer of dark crystal and labyrinth which are pretty strange off the wall kind of films especially when it comes to the character design uh and i would say aren't really things that would have appealed to me previously but this game just hits a really nice mark with the the characters and the style of the world yeah it's definitely got this whole like so the setup of it is you're you're coming in on this boat uh you're a character um which you know we won't get into spoilers here and you've definitely played more of the game than i have but you, you play as this character, Ember, who's this cutesy little, it's almost like a, a Ewok dressed as the, um, <laughs> dressed, it's like an Ewok-sized journey character, basically. <laughs> um, and it's definitely got this dark undertone here of, like, this is where people go as their energy starts to fade out, which is definitely a theme that's hitting you right now, too, given the, your your mentions about the, um, the train game that you were playing last week. Um, yes, yes. But yeah, you've arrived at this place and people are trapped here. They can't move on through the gates because of uh, the Forest King, I think is his name. Um, And you're sort of solving these puzzles to sort of reconnect with these spirits and help them solve their problems so they can return to the campfire and uh, you move on. Yeah, I think that that covers it pretty well without giving away too too much. Because that's the thing, it's not like there's a a huge narrative here. But there is, like there's a pretty, uh, there is a... A pretty consistent narrative throughout um i i guess and um it is fairly important like there is several characters um 
throughout. And like you said, like maybe it's a bit of a theme I got going. I don't know right now. Like with games that sort of are talking about death uh, and mental illness and just like more challenging kind of topics at, at the moment. And the thing is like, it sounds like this game was made over several years in development. So it coming out last year, I think was just a bit of coincidence that it came during a time where a lot of people have likely been dealing with mental illnesses and issues more than ever, especially COVID, global pandemic. And so I think it sort of came as a interesting coincidental kind of time because it, it does, it, there is a lot of darker undertones and it does touch on a lot of uh, darker kind of things and, and mental illness, which I think it does really well um, for, throughout the story and through the mechanics as, as well. Yeah, the narrative is quite like it's it's decent. It's not like very. It's not super heavy. Like you're not going to be sitting there, most likely crying uh, no. over what's happening. Um, but there is a lot in what's not said and what's inferred, which I always really appreciate that in a narrative. What I don't appreciate is the narration going on in this game. Like there's this constant slow. It's supposed to be relaxing British lady reading off all the dialogue on the screen. <laughs> and I absolutely just cannot stand it. It's like, can you talk a little bit oh. faster? Can you actually put a bit of nuance in your, uh, in your delivery here? Like, I don't know. I actually ended up turning just the sound off while I was playing it. Wow. Because it was super annoying to me because what made it really stand out is the rest of the areas when you're walking around them. It's really atmospheric. It's really stark and... And it feels like you're in this cold, lonely space. And then she's always just butting in and ruining that. And to me, she didn't deliver a character. Now, I'm not to say that her performance, whoever this is, um, was bad or anything. I do think it's just a, a, a product of the environments being really interesting and this kind of feeling that the game's trying to sell you. And then there's this, this voice that's always kind of getting in the way of that. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts around that, but that's definitely how I was feeling playing the game. That's interesting because I, I quite enjoyed the narration. I knew actually. you would. I knew you would. <laughs> and I, I appreciate it because it was something different. You know, it's not a completely new technique for a game to have narration, but that's that's the only voice acting from memory. I think there might be a little bit little bits here and there otherwise, but for the most part, it's just the narrator narrating what you are doing as the character Ember and all the other characters and what's going on in the world. And yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought her performance was, was quite good. I f- thought it fit the theme and uh, the, the feelings of what's going on in the world, the characters and, and, and the style. Uh, and I felt, I, I quite liked the, the narrator's performance, like her, the little bits and pieces she added uh, for different characters and what was happening. I thought I, I enjoyed it. Personally, yeah. I yep. yeah, but it's, and a part of it was just it being something different, um, and maybe it was for them like, oh, you know, this is a smaller budget game, we don't want to put too much money into it, like we don't want to get a bunch of different voice actors, like maybe it was a simpler thing to do for development just to have it one narrator, so mm-hmm. that could be part of it. But I, I, I liked it personally, yeah, yeah. I, I personally would have just um, preferred the the text to be delivered as you're walking around the world because that's essentially how it is. It always forces you to stop a lot of the time to listen to the narration. Right. And it's like, okay. mm, let me go. Um, before we get into the puzzles, though, like, I know that you're playing on the Switch, right? I am, yes. I just really want to point out, like, I do not play games on phone very often, but there was a couple on our list that just happened to be in Apple Arcade. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sign up to Apple Arcade for a month or two so we can play those for this podcast. And I have to say, the controls of this game on the phone are spectacular. Like, it just works so well. You just double tap and it'll the little ember will run wherever you double tapped and will take the paths on their own. 
Um, you can have a virtual joystick option if you prefer, but being able to just like tap along, slide things when you need to do the puzzles and things like that, rather than constantly having to hold my thumb on the screen and move them around and hold buttons. Like it just feels really good. And I would say probably from an accessibility standpoint, it's also quite good. Um, just being able to like tap and let it go. Um, and from the nature of the puzzles, which we're about to get into here, uh, I think that it just works really well because I can tap on thing and while he's going there, I can actually have that brain space to think about, okay, so what's the next move I'm going to make? What am I going to do? Whereas I feel like if I was playing with a controller, I'm probably like thinking subconsciously, like I'm holding up to make him run and where's he running? I'm not really thinking about that on the phone. So I really, yeah, I really appreciated that. And that was quite a surprise for me. As I said, I don't like mobile games that much, um, but yeah. I that's something I liked, Seamus. I'll give you something I liked about the game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how, how does it play on the Switch? I'm I'm really glad to hear that. Actually, uh, it plays pretty well on Switch. Like it it feels it feels pretty good. And I think an important part of that of why it feels good is that how the character moves through the world. Uh, they don't waste time, bec- and I think that's really important in puzzle and adventure games, or point and click games, where you're often going back and forth between environments, which is the same in The Last Campfire. Uh, and so when you're going between levels upstairs and stuff like that, the character just moves really swiftly uh, and there's a sprint button and yeah, everything just feels really quick and intuitive. Uh, and I was kind of worried that it wouldn't on mobile because that's often the case that games are made for PC and consoles first and then mobile as an afterthought. While looking into this development though and the history behind these specific developers who work on this, as you said, Stephen, they've worked on popular... Uh, iOS puzzle game so they came from that background and it sounded like uh, The Last Campfire was developed with iOS like mobile first and foremost in mind and so that's obviously paid off really well and I'm, I'm really glad to hear that the controls are, are really good on mobile. Yeah I absolutely would um, recommend anyone who is looking to play this um, maybe on the cheap and doesn't want to drop it on uh, you know a switch or a console like mobile is definitely a viable choice. I'm using an iPhone 11 Pro, so it's not even the newest phone. I don't know what the situation is on Android. Uh, but the puzzle design uh, here, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, it's fine, I guess. And you got a lot further than me. Like, I did put in about three or so hours into the game. It just wasn't grabbing me. And I'd played it. I'd seen enough of the tricks outside of perhaps, like, some special sequence or something that I kind of know what the game is. And um, it's it's fine. You're like pulling a lot of blocks, you're like um, pulling a lot of levers to make things rotate or go up and down. Like it, it feels very Monument Valley, but in a 3D space kind of, but you're still sort of operating it on the same sort of level as a monument. Like it just didn't really do anything to make me excited about it. I don't know how you feel about about this. You probably loved it because I don't like it. And that's, I guess this is going to be the theme of our podcast, but uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say I, I, I love the puzzles. They're definitely not mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely not mind blowing. Um, and the thing is, you got about halfway through the game by the sounds of it. Yeah. And I, I finished it. And if by that point it isn't grabbing you, like, there's, I don't think there's anything, especially when it comes to puzzles, that's really going to blow your mind. Um, because I think um, w- what is great about the puzzles is that there's so many different kinds. Uh, yeah, not, I will agree with that. It's not just here's the two puzzles that you're doing over and over again. Everything the two mechanics, feel yeah. unique. Yeah. And I think that could be a byproduct of them doing pretty well with another game, uh, No Man's Sky, and not having a lot of pressure or lack of resources. So they sort of could take their time to to do the game to the level that they wanted and have a lot of variety to it. 
and I think that works really well in its its favor. However, if you've gone halfway through the game, like there's nothing in the puzzles that are going to really change hugely. Uh, that's I would say going to change your mind about it. Um, I think why it works well is partly is that they are somewhat simple, like they're not overly challenging. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a few times where I had to sit there for a bit and move blocks around and, and try a few different solutions before I got there. And I found that level of challenge for me was was really satisfying personally. Uh, because in a lot of puzzle games, I often will get stuck and I'll get frustrated quite quickly because I, I want to move on. I want to enjoy the story and the pacing stops too much mm-hmm. in, in other puzzle games, I find. But with this one, it flowed really well. Uh, it did mean that there was a little less challenge versus other puzzle games, perhaps. But I appreciated that. So it flowed better with the narrative. And it also is very much in conjunction with the the world itself, because so much of this game and the puzzles are exploring the different areas. So, and there's sort of three main different hubs, worlds that you go and find other embers, characters that are similar to you and help them uh, because they're sort of languishing in, in these in these places because of being stuck on uh, a certain thing that they can't get past mentally, getting lost, losing friends. Uh, a lot of different sort of mental illnesses are, are possibly referred to uh, throughout that these characters are dealing with. And you can find them in these different hub areas. And I really enjoyed exploring them. Like, it was really delightful. And the puzzles um, are just scattered throughout. And there's a good mix of the very straightforward, this is a puzzle, move these blocks around to find a solution when you're trying to help each of the other embers and then there's just the puzzles that you come across in the world that you need to solve to progress and sometimes it's getting a pig to move in a certain area to eat this particular thing or to move these certain planks around and again nothing mind-blowing it was just all really satisfying and i felt it just flowed really well with the narrative like i never got too stuck it just it just went by really nicely like it was just it was just a really enjoyable enjoyable wonderful kind of experience well i guess that puts us towards the end of this podcast where we say whether we would recommend and i think we know what your answer is going to be so i'll go first (laughs) um i know that i've sound quite negative about this game but i absolutely want to stress that this is a really well crafted well put together game that has fantastic animation the art is absolutely beautiful and i'm playing it on a phone so i can only imagine on a pc or one of the higher end consoles it's going to be even nicer uh, super smooth, well thought out. For me, the narrative just didn't really hit. Like, it was fine. It wasn't super exciting for me. And keeping in mind that puzzle games are typically not my jam, the combination of me not really connecting with the narrative so much and just being, eh, the puzzles are okay. Like, for me personally, it would not be a recommend. What I will say, though, is if you are thinking about uh, checking out this game, just watch a trailer because watching the trailer, I felt like I knew exactly what the game would be and playing it. It's like, yep, that's exactly what I thought this game would be. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, it looks cute. It'll be fine. I I didn't really have a draw to play it. And I feel like if you watch the trailer and you're like, oh yeah, that looks really cool. Or you really connect with it. I think you'll find something really nice here for you. But if you're a bit like me and we're just like, eh, that's all right. um, I would maybe, you know, pick it up in a sale potentially, or just let it slide on by. What about you, Seamus? What's your what's your final recommendation there? I would I would highly recommend it, but it depends on the type of person you are. Because realistically, if you're a type of person that loves puzzle puzzle games and challenges, you're not really going to get that here. You might you might enjoy the puzzles, but they're not hugely challenging. And I think it is kind of designed for a more casual audience or people who aren't big 
puzzle people like me who just wants a bit of narrative, wants an a world, interesting world to explore and some puzzles throughout to pace it out well and add a little bit of challenge and, and yeah, el- some interesting elements to it. So I would, I would recommend it if you're, you like puzzle games, but often get put off by them, I guess is the way I would, I would recommend it. But I, I think uh, it's important to note as well that I love that this is kind of just like a side project for a studio that has bigger games going on. And I kind of wish more studios did this, just had smaller groups of teams who were really passionate about a particular theme or mechanic and wanted to do explore that and see where it goes. Because in this situation where they've, it seems really had the time and resources to explore that well, it's, it's just come out really well done. And so I wish there was more big studios doing doing projects like this and also it's worth mentioning here that both Seamus and I love tight short games there's nothing better in this world than a tight you know <laughs> two to six hour game and that's exactly where this game sits it's nice it's about six hours long right and yep, yep. Just, I would rather have two to six hours a really good interesting gameplay that maybe doesn't push the envelope but does some interesting things than 40 hours of you see everything in the first three hours and then it just drags and uh, totally. I think you're right. I would love to see more studios do this. I think Double Fine do this a little bit with their amnesia stuff, but then Double Fine finds something they like and they turn it into a big project. I would definitely like to see more teams satelliting off and doing some of this stuff. Totally, totally. Um, so that comes to the end of the show. Uh, thank you for everyone that's tuned in for this show and for the first show as well and giving us feedback and, and enjoyed listening to it. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we're really excited for all the games we've got lined up to review in the coming weeks and, and months ahead as well. So, yeah, excited. Yeah, it's going to be good times. Please make sure that you come and check out pixelsforbreakfast.net. It's a brand new website that we just launched yesterday, actually, at the time of recording. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a different website. We're going to have all the video reviews and stuff that I do up there, but we're going to have guest contributors doing columns and and just some interesting things. It's going to be less about you know, daily news dumps and more about hopefully some creative, interesting endeavors. So make sure you go check that out. Also check out the uh, Pixels of Breakfast pod also on all of your podcasting devices. That's where my co-host Blue and I talk about all of the gaming news of the week wrapped up into a nice little bundle and other games that we've been playing. And also I'm pleased to announce that Platforms and Pitfalls, a game design podcast that comes out every month, uh, has joined the Pixels of Breakfast content network, so make sure you go give them a follow on all of your podcasting apps. Seamus, it has been an absolute pleasure as always. It's been great. I'm excited for people to hopefully check out the, the last campfire themselves. Absolutely. And as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast. Mm-hmm.